So last week we were in a series called Nobody Told Me, and the topic last week was marriage. Uh, the big idea was marriage is worth the work. Uh, let me read you a little part of the Bible that we read last week. Uh, the holy writings say, This is why a man will leave his father and mother and join his wife, and the two people will become one. This is a profound mystery, to which I said after 35 years of marriage, yay and amen. <laughs> marriage is a mystery. You can go to the uh, app stores and look at East Lakes Church Utah, and you can download the talks and download all the music and catch up on what's going on at East Lake. Now, today, same series, different topic. Today, we're talking about parenting. Grab your note sheet, it's in your program. And the big idea of talking about parenting today is children need us to love and train them. So that's what we're going to talk about today, right? It's totally focused on Because sometimes, you know, you get into parenting like, man, nobody told me it was going to be like this. So the big idea today is children need us to love and train them. And let me read you a little part of the Bible. And now a word to you parents. And, and let me say something uh, when we're talking about parents. That includes all types of parents today. So wherever you are in the parenting process, uh, maybe father and mother parents or step-parents or uh, single parents, just the father, just the mother, which is a huge job, or grandparents who are parenting some children, uh, foster parents, uh, all different types of parents. There's so many different types of parents and so many different types of kids, stepkids, special needs kids. and So all families, all parents, grace to everybody today, wherever you are in the, like, I'm this kind of parent, Welcome and grace to you as a parent. And so as we get through the talk, let me read some more to you. Uh, don't keep on scolding or nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Rather, bring them up in the loving discipline the Lord himself approves and training you learned from the Lord. Now, today we can't answer all the different questions that go with parenting, but we can look at the two things that might be the very most important thing about parenting. All kids need love. And all kids need training. Every child is going to struggle at different points in their life, and some are going to go way off the rails. And it's so important that they know that, that there's somebody there for them all the time. They'll always have you, and that you love them, no matter how they're doing in life. They need to know that, that you're always there for me, and you love me. And all kids need training. I mean, think about it. They come out of the womb. They can't even use a fork. They have to be trained to, in relationships. Uh, they got to be trained emotionally, uh, life skills. I mean, kids need you know, so much training just to get through life. And so our job as we go through it is in the training and the loving category. Now, um, I have two sons that um, I parented all the way up now. They have their own families, and they're doing their own thing. And then also uh, we had a young woman that came and lived with us right towards the end of high school and then through college. And so uh, she was in our home too. And uh, now she's married and has her own kids. And um, all through the parenting journey, um, I've had some super highs and some low, low lows. <laughs> you know, I know what it is to, um, to, to say just the right thing at the right time. And I know what it is to totally blow it and say the wrong thing. I know what it is to over-discipline, and, and I know what it is to under-discipline. I know what it's like to have my kids mad at me, and I know what it is to be angry at my kids. 
And through it all, I can say a couple of things. Number one, I'm super proud of my kids, the kind of people that they are now and how they grew up. And number two, um, God did a lot of healing in my life as a parent. And in being a parent, it drew me closer to Jesus as a parent. Now, today we're going to look at this whole thing of parenting, and we're going to throw it into four different stages or categories. Uh, so I got this graph I'm going to throw up that we can look at. And, and the whole talk today is sort of going to be in this type of a, of, of a, of a setting. So, so look at it. There's a timeline here, and then there's these four different categories that we're going to talk about, the, the roles we play at different stages in their lives. So caregivers like birth to about kindergarten, and then rulers, the elementary years, Coaches, the teen years, and then advisor is, is when they're adults, and that's the longest time, by the way. Later is longer when it comes to kids. Now, I know teens can feel like it's 50 years to parents, but the truth of it is, is that we're going to be advisors co-advising each other in life. That's going to be the longest time that we spend with our children. Now, look over at the left here. Uh, the red line has to do with authority, so it says, how much authority do we really have at these different stages and then as we move towards the last stage, trying to set everything up to be an advisor. So that's kind of where we're going. That's, that's where we want to be. Now, in, in, the, uh, in, in the Bible, when someone was talking about parenting, here's what they had to say about it. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a real blessing. So here's what I've seen about parenting is that in each one of those stages, it was like I revisited that stage in my life as I grew up. And there were some things that God was able to do for me, some healing, some adjustments to my thinking, as I was back in that stage with my children, with my sons. And that was part of the blessing. So today, as we look through the different stages of parenting, it's sort of a two-way look at it. It's like, okay, like, how do I parent my children during that stage? And how does God parent me as I revisit that stage? Because that's part of the blessing. Now, let's look at the number one on your list. Let's look at the first one, caregiver. No discipline is enjoyable Why it's happening. <laughs> it's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. And then the fill-in is children experience bonding and boundaries. So during this stage, little tiny babies up until about kindergarten, a lot of bonding is going on in this stage. This is where the kids are like really getting attached to us. And th this whole idea of... Um, of bonding is how they start to get the concept that we're going to always be there for them and that we always, we always love them. Now, there's a, a Gordon Neerfeld has done a really good job talking about boundaries and, and bonding, and especially this idea of when they're little tiny kids, how bonding happens. And so I want you to see this little video. It's only like three minutes, but it's like him talking about how important it is to bond with our children. So uh, check this out. I've been spending my life trying to put the pieces together of how attachment unfolds. And in fact, I had a wonderful opportunity of taking a whole year off just to be able to study all the attachment theories um, th throughout the ages, actually, and see how it is uh, that attachment is meant to happen. And it's, it's a beautiful story, really. I'll try to tell it very quickly and very simply. In the first year of life, a child does attach through wanting to be with, uh, to be uh, in sight and smell and hearing, um, in touch. Uh, but by the second year of life, a new, uh, a, a new way of attaching should open up in which the child wants to be like, not only with, 
but like. And this is the key to language acquisition, to uh, stamping our form on their behavior. It's a key to so many things. If that goes well, the third part, by the third year, uh, it, it should, uh, a child becomes preoccupied with belonging. Uh, and becomes preoccupied with loyalty, uh, to be on the same side as, which is a different way of closeness, uh, to take the same side, to serve and obey. And that's when the obedience instincts uh, begin to be there. By the fourth year of life, uh, you, you should see you should see in a child a huge quest for significance to matter because he feels close now when he is dear to those that he is attached to. Now, if everything unfolds properly, the fifth year is incredible. The limbic system, the command center, uh, or the amygdala, the command center, the limbic system, the emotional brain pulls out all its stops, and the child gives his heart to whomever he is attached to. He falls in love, uh, and he's deeply emotionally attached to his kitten, to his grandma, to anything that is there. And this is, this is amazing. And it, it's so important because when the child develops at that level, it sets the stage for the rest of parenting. We cannot parent children whose hearts we do not have. We can't parent even our grandchildren whose hearts we do not have, or our adult children. This is absolutely essential. So children need to fall deeply into attachment, and we need to make it easy for them. The last stage is a, is a very interesting stage. Uh, if, if it's safe to attach, there's no defendedness emotionally, then the child actually wants to share all that is within his heart. And so the six-year-old is busy telling her secrets and, uh, and not to have any secrets that divide. This is the beginning of psychological intimacy, which should characterize our marriages and our best friendships. And so we've got all kinds of intimacies with, like, belonging, mattering, uh, our heart, emotional intimacy, and then finally psychological intimacy. And this is the context in which children are meant to be erased. So the, the beginning, uh, the infancy and toddler is just the beginning of a wonderful unfolding and development of the capacity for relationship. Yeah, um, I grew up in a blended family. So um, this is my family makeup. Um, one mom, four children, three dads, and a stepdad. So there was a lot going on in the blender when I grew up. And then, um, because of some family problems, I lived twice with my grandparents, where they were parenting me, and they were my parents. And then when I was a teenager, a tragedy in my family, my mom passed away. So I ended up moving in with my best friend in my teen years, and his parents became my parents, and his family became my family, and. And they're my family to this day. And so when I look back, um, especially on the early years, um, you know, I look back on a pretty bumpy road. E even though there were some wonderful people in my life, this whole attachment and bonding thing, there's a, um, there's a hormone that they've discovered. It's called oxytocin. And uh, oxytocin is the hormone that we have, men and women, that helps us attach with people. And, and um, I don't think I got enough of that when I was a kid. <laughs> because when I was a, a young adult, um, I had a really hard time attaching and uh, bonding with people. And uh, my poor wife. <laughs> and um, one of the things they've discovered, though, about this hormone, oxytocin, is that um, they first thought it was just women had it. 
like they would get this hormone released in them that helped them attach with the infants and be a mom and go through. But then they found out that actually oxytocin is in men and women, and it rises in men and women, is they have physical attention and physical affection and affection for their children. So here's the crazy thing, and this is why I want to point out these stages. In this stage in my life when I had my children, I was super physically affectionate with my sons. I mean, I hugged them all the time. We wrestled all the time. We played lots of games. It was no big deal for us to fall asleep together in bed and sing songs to each other. And I think what happened is the hormone got into me and it rose up inside of me. It was like God's way of giving me another chance because all of a sudden I was able to bond better and attach better with people. In my early 20s, I didn't even like to hug people at church. I didn't even like to shake somebody's hand. But being with my children, being physically affectionate with my children, they needed it, and it changed my life. Changed the whole way that I was. Now, now I understand the problem when it comes to to physical touch. But but look in your notes, because someone watched how Jesus was with kids one time, and they wrote it down, and they put it in the Bible. Listen to what they said about Jesus. He took the children into his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. It's kind of like when you have, you know, you kind of rub their head a little bit and say, what's up, dude? That's how Jesus acted. Now I understand the problem in our culture. In our culture, um, sexual touch is, is spreading like wildfire. I mean, people have sex with each other before they even hold hands. So there's no fear there. But there is a fear about physical affection with children, and I understand, because physical abuse, sexual abuse, we're all on heightened alert. Like, you know, it's very uncomfortable now to see adults just hugging children and working with them. But, but let me say something to you, just as parents now. We still got to figure it out, because kids still need it. In this stage in their life, when they're really long, they need tons and tons of physical affection, and they need lots of affection poured into them because it's what bonds them. The hormone goes off and they can attach with us. And you have to have that if you're going to do any training. Now I understand at this stage, you know, we do start to do some training. My grandson just passed two years old. Um, and I, I think, I really think that him and I are close. I, you know, I just feel like we're super close. And I love him and I, I feel like he knows I love him and, and I know he loves me. However, I've been noticing something as he passed two years old, that whenever he doesn't get his way, whenever I can't give him his way, it's like he forgets how much he loves me. You know, it's like, and this is new. I'm just starting to notice this in him. It's like he's starting to recognize. See, when you're a little tiny baby and you cry because you need your diaper changed or you're hungry, you're not putting things together. You just know something needs to change right now. I don't like it. And you cry. And an adult comes and they do something about that, and that's great. But about two, three, four years old, they start to figure out if something's happening in my life and I don't like it or I want something and I throw a fit and I cry, I get it. And that's a problem because because we all know adults that never learned that. They never learned how to behave when they don't get their way. See, children need to learn how to act when they don't get their way. 
And there are times, you know, and even my grandson, the pressure comes on. You don't like to see him cry or say no to him. But every time I give in to him and give him a little treat or something, when he, you know, throws a little half fit, of course, he's the best grandson in the world, so he doesn't throw many. But, but you know, he throws a little fit. It's like I'm training him. And guess what? That shows up later at the job or in his relationships or with a spouse someday. All I have to do is cry and throw a fit and I'll get my way. See? Now in this stage, maybe like honest look, you're like, hmm, I do that sometimes. Maybe somebody in this stage in your life, you know, they didn't get it quite right. Sometimes I have to admit, I can be a baby. So first stage, caregiving. Pour on the physical affection. Pour on the affection so they can bond and then start to teach them you don't always get your way. Number two, look at the next stage, ruler. Discipline your children while they're young enough to learn. If you don't, you're helping them destroy themselves. Aye, aye, aye. Here's the fill-in. Children learn about rules and authority at this stage. This is when we see our family like a little kingdom. Your little family is your little kingdom and you're the ruler of the kingdom. Here's why. Your children are not smart enough to rule your kingdom, but they are going to try. <laughs> They're going to try to be the rulers. They're going to be in charge. They're going to try. This is the, the grade school years. And this is where you have to understand your responsibility. You're the ruler. You set the stage. You set the rules. It's your responsibility. You're the authority figure at this time in their lives in your family. And they may not like it, but you're the ruler. But you have to be a fair ruler. Because I have problems with authority. Maybe you have problems with authorities and rules because at some point you felt like the rules and authority was unfair. And so that's why we got to work with our kids and be fair. And here's kind of what happens, and here's the problem when they're in grade school. Um, every time they come up against a rule that they don't like, they think it's unfair. <laughs> so that's when you have to start to teach and train your children during this time that just because it's, un, you know, like you got a rule and you, you don't like it, just because it's uncomfortable, it doesn't mean it's unfair. Like you're going to have lots of rules in your family that's going to be uncomfortable for your kids. But you have to be able to show them that that doesn't mean that it's unfair for them. Because they'll get it mixed up. You start off in life, you think every rule I don't like, everything I don't like about boundaries is unfair. You have to clean your room before you get to go out and play. That's so unfair. So-and-so doesn't have to. And it's just uncomfortable. And that's an important thing for them to learn, by the way. Gary Smalley uh, has written a great book for kids, and it's in the back of your outline, Resources. Listen, listen to what he has to say. I want to read you a quote that he has. Children need a sense of discipline and authority in their lives to help them develop emotionally and physically. I mean, that's the whole ballgame, emotionally and physically. It gives children a sense of security to know what the boundaries are. So here's what we're saying in this second stage, grade school kids. This is where you're the ruler, but you're a fair ruler. You're trying to help your children understand that just because a rule is uncomfortable, it doesn't mean that it's unfair. You're working with them in that. Now, here's the problem. And you noticed in our graph maybe that it was dotted lines. It's like sometimes it's uncomfortable to be the ruler. Like in all the stages that we're talking about today, there's probably one for you that's a sweet spot. 
So if your sweet spot is caregiving and you take that into this next stage and you overplay caregiving and there's no rules, there's no authority, we're just going to be besties. You're not training your kids. All kids need to be loved and all kids need to be trained. And all of us have the problem. We've got our strong suits. We have the, the area that's kind of um, our wheelhouse. And, and we move into another stage with our children. And we can keep playing that one. This next one's a great example. Right, coach. These are the teenage years. Coach. With each of you, we were like a father with his child holding your hand, whispering encouragement, showing you step by step how to live well before God who called us into his own kingdom, into this delightful life. <laughs> the teenagers, the fill-in children, learn to trust themselves and God. These are the teen years. This is where we're coaching. And man, I'm telling you, a lot of parents, this is what they do. They bring the ruler right into the teen years. Because in the teen years, teenagers can be scary. You start to watch the decisions they're making, who they're hanging around with, and what they're doing and they're not doing. You're, you're like, put your foot down. You're going to do as I say, or you know, or you're going to be grounded for the rest of your life. And you know, you're, I run this house around here. And here's the problem: when you try to be the ruler in the coach years, the reason it doesn't work is because you're not that much in control of their life anymore. Think about what a coach does. They're at the game but they're on the sidelines. They help prepare the players. They design plays and they send them in, but coaches don't get to play. In this stage of their life, they got their own world and you just live in it. It's very difficult for me at this stage because I'd been so close to him, and I thought, well, I know everything that's going on, and I'm super close to him. And I, I was really caught by surprise how much of their world I knew nothing about, and I couldn't influence it. I couldn't even be a part of it. Think about it, when you have little tiny babies, you have all the power over them. And then elementary school, you're so much bigger, and you have all the resources. But teenagers, they can create a whole world and keep you out. Sorry. You have to take a coaching role. You may want to be the ruler. And, and if, you're, if you get into these years and your teenagers are pushing you away and they don't want to be with you and they don't include you at all, you, you may have the wrong hat on. I'm still trying to be the ruler and you can't rule them and they'll just push you away and hide from you. Coach is your best shot. Coaches encourage and they form relationships and they try to make people better and they share life, but they understand they're not taking any snaps. They're coaches. It's a hard time. Um, and the biggest problem and, and the greatest competition uh, to parents during this time is peers. I mean, peers have a tremendous amount of influence over teenagers at this time. Just think back on your life. One of the reasons this is so scary for parents when they look back as teenagers is they were teenagers. <laughs> we were all teenagers. We know what we did when we were teenagers, and we know the type of things that we were up to when we were teenagers. And it was fun for us when we were a teenager, and it scares the hell out of us when we're parents, when we look at our teenagers. You see, that's the problem. And friends and peer group, man, they have a ton. Think back at your friends when you were in high school, how much they meant to you. I had friends in high school 
that I would take a bullet for. I was so close to him. I loved him so much. And we were helping each other wreck one another's lives in high school. And we loved each other. It's crazy when you're a parent and you poured so much love into him and you've been with him all the time. You've done such a great job. And some kid rolls up and says, hey, let's cut class and go smoke some weed. And they do it. You're like, what? How could you do? Well, why? In our country, and it's spreading for 50 or 60 years, we have a huge teen culture. We invented it. It's well financed by the movie industry and the music industry and the food industry and the clothing industry. It's not going away. Teenagers are here to stay. And it is a very difficult... If you want to, here's a scary thing. Just go do this research. What's the number one way that teenagers leave this world in the state of Utah? I'll let you look it up. It's a very difficult time in life. And they need a coach at this time. Coaches do life skills. I like what it says. It holds their hand and their, you know, whispers to them encouragement. It reminds me of my grandparents. I remember when my grandfather uh, taught me how to tie my shoes. I don't know what it was. I just couldn't get it as a kid. And he, I just remember, he, like, he just sat there so patiently with me. He kept watching me do it and showing me how to do it and tell me it was going to be okay and It was the same way he taught me how to hit a baseball, shoot a basketball, swing a golf club. I remember my grandmother, when she'd take me school shopping, she taught me how to play cards. My grandparents, probably when I look back, they were the primaries in my life. So, um, but when I became a teenager, uh, I really went off the rails. <laughs> You know, I took off. I ended up 3,000 miles away from home in the state of Alaska. Long ways away from everybody. Running around with all kinds of crazy people, doing these crazy jobs. And... But even during that time, when I didn't have any stability, there was no security, my life was total chaos, I wanted to write them a letter home. This was before texting and Facebook and any of that kind of stuff. Old school, snail mail. Somehow, with a bad drug habit and everything else, I had to get together paper and pen, stamp an envelope, remember their address, and I sent them off a letter to tell them, I'm okay, I'm coming home someday, because they got in, and they were coaching. And even when I was way off the rails, I still cared. I, I brought this kind of an example so you can see it today. It's a, it's a parent and peer compass and take, take a look at this. I wanted to show you what this compass looks like. So, so take a look at it. You'll notice right off the bat, it's a normal compass. There's north at the top, family, parents. But then it has another north on it. And that's the peers, the friends. And that's what teenagers walk around with trying to navigate their life. That needle is flying back and forth all the time. It was for you, and it will be for them. Do I go with my parents or do I go with my peers? Very difficult time. And the reason I sent that letter home, the reason I eventually went home to their home, is because they stayed on my compass. Don't try to be a ruler when your kids are teenagers, man. They will take you right off their compass. Be a coach. And I have people tell me all the time that are older, they say, well, I didn't do very good when they were teenagers, and is, is it too late for me now? And I always tell them, no, it's not too late for you. 
God's grace overrides everything. You can still go back to your kids and work it out and, and be with them in the stage that they're in now, which is the last stage, which is the advisor stage. My child, listen closely to my teachings and learn common sense. My advice is useful, so don't turn away. This is the stage that I'm in now. <laughs> my kids are adults now, and, and, um, and sometimes I have a little trouble staying in my lane. I'm going to put myself out there. You know, it's like, a, you, like this isn't caregiver, this isn't like ruler, this isn't coach. This is advisor now. They have their own lives. It's input by invitation. <laughs> But, you know, you watch your kids and you're like, oh, man, you're going to do that. And it's just like difficult. Sometimes you want to jump in. You may have parents in your life right now or somebody that raised you. And they're trying to be a ruler during this stage. And guess what? You're avoiding them. You don't want them around. You don't want their input. You don't like the way they talk to you. Because that's not the stage you're in. And that's not the role they're supposed to be playing. All I want to say to you is try to have grace for them and understanding because it's difficult. Sometimes it's hard for me to stay in my lane. Probably is for them too. But you probably at some point are going to need to have an office conversation with them and say, listen, um, we share life now. I'm liking it actually. You know, I, I'm, I advise them and, and they advise me. This is where it becomes a, a real two-way street. I mean, my kids know me really well. And this is the stage they're starting to advise me, saying, ah, Dad, I don't know if you should really do that. You know, it's like, it's like a, there's, a, there's, a, there's like a really cool give and take to it at this stage. And this is the longest stage that we're in with our children. But in any of these stages, if you don't make the transition, let, let me show you, look at this graph just one more time. And think about your family and who you're raising and what's going on, where they're at, and then the role that you're supposed to play. And, and you, you, you might be in an era right now where you need to be the ruler, but it's so much more comfortable for you to be the caregiver. But they need someone right now. They, they're desperate to know where the rules are. and the, they got to know where authority is. Now listen, all of us have the areas that we're strong and weak in, and that's why we need God's grace to help us, to be honest, and go into an area and say, I'm not good at this stage. Or if you biffed an area, to be able to go back to God and say, man, God, I was terrible in the ruler stage. I didn't have any boundaries. I let them do whatever they want. I just gave them a bag of M&Ms and put them in front of the TV. That's when you go to God and say, how can we restore it? What can we do? How can we, how can we make up for that? How can it be redeemed? And then we finally get to the very last stage, and that's the advisor stage, and that's where we do life together. Now, here's the bottom line. It's in your notes. Closeness defines our relationship. Someone put this in the Bible. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you, and then get them inside of your children. You cannot give what you do not have. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Sounds like a single mom. My mom was a single mom. They just work all day and fall into bed at night. Bless their heart. If you know a single mom, by the way, man, you could ever like, form a relationship with their kids and say, hey, listen, I'm sending you out to dinner tonight and I'm taking your kids to the movie. Man, two stars in heaven for you. <laughs> 
because this is difficult. Single parent, hard, dad or mom. Bravo to them. I know it's a painful topic for some because of the way you've been parented or not parented. And I know as we walk through the stages, if you're like me, you see a stage and go, whoa, I totally missed out on that stage as a kid. What am I going to do now, God? Here's the good news. God brought you here today to tell you he's not done with you. Any shift you got to make, anything that needs to occur, he wants to be with you. The great news for my kids and my family is my past didn't ruin it. Jesus got a hold of us. He can get a hold of you. 